Today is Christmas Eve. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, celebrating the coming of Jesus. Advent means coming. Each Sunday we've been lighting a candle to heighten our anticipation, to fix our eyes on Jesus. The first candle symbolizes hope. Hope in the darkness, hope in in my darkness. Jesus came into the world as light, and we love darkness rather than light because our deeds were evil. Second candle symbolizes peace, shalom, well-being, wholeness, completeness. Jesus is the only way for us sinners with our fractured relationships to have real peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus brings peace to my chaos. The third candle symbolizes joy, joy to the world. Jesus brings a kind of joy that the world can't produce, does not understand. Jesus, who, who, who is the one who turned water into wine, can take our sorrows and transform them into indestructible joy. The fourth candle symbolizes love. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Before we dive in, let's pause and uh, seek the Lord's help in, in prayer. Father... Thank you for the privilege of being here, for the privilege of knowing you, walking with you, gathering with your people to sing your praise because you're worthy, worthy of our worship. Jesus, thank you for for coming, coming to rescue sinners like me. Holy Spirit, thank you for opening blind eyes to see To see the good news for what it is is truly good. To see the cross as beautiful. As the place of my rescue. Thank you for loving sinners like us and changing us, making us new. Be at work this morning in our hearts. Open our ears to hear your word. Open our hearts to respond to your good news. To receive you as our king, as our only hope. As the lover of our souls. Be at work this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Fourth candle symbolizes love. What is love? Love is fruit that the Spirit produces. Along with joy and peace and patience, which is a kind of hope. Love is that without which all eloquence, all wisdom, all knowledge, all power, all self-sacrificial giving is nothing. Worthless. A big zero. Love abides along with faith and hope, but the greatest of these is love. But what is it? What is love? 1 Corinthians 13 describes love as the more excellent way. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This helps us to understand what love does and does not look like, but it it doesn't define for us what love is. For that, we will turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 nails down what love is. Toward the end of your Bible, not too far before Revelation, not the Gospel of John, we'll go there as well, but 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved. John calls us Beloved. Those who are loved. He stirs us who have been loved up to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. He bases our love on God who is the source of love. Love is from God. Love originates in God. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love, the real kind of love, is produced in the one who knows God because he has been born of God. Jesus talks in John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3, of being born again, of being born from above, being born of the Spirit. He tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. The world loves, but not in the way Jesus loves. That kind of love is a fruit of knowing God. A fruit of being born of God. A fruit that the Holy Spirit of God produces in a person when He lives inside that person. The one who truly loves has been born of God. Love is evidence of the work of God in our hearts. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Notice it doesn't say he knows about God. God is personal. God can be known. I know things about Abraham Lincoln... I've never met him. Never had a conversation with him. Never spent time with him. He doesn't know me. I know about him. I don't know him. Knowing God points to relationship, to intimacy, to friendship. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Being in relationship with God produces genuine love in us because God is love. We become like those we spend most time with. And God is love. If we are in relationship with God, love will be produced in us. God is love. Notice it does not say God is loving. That's true. But that's a different thing from saying God is love. Saying someone is loving describes their actions, their personality, their characteristics. They are loving. They do loving things. Saying God is love says that, but so much more. It says that in his essence, in his very being, he is love. If you, if you could take a picture of the invisible God, and if you then looked up God in the dictionary, or love in the dictionary, you would find that picture. God defines love. God is the originator of love. He is the source of all love. Love is from God because God is love. This also does not say God became love. It says God is love. He always was, always will be love. Love necessitates an object. Someone to love. This passage addresses us as beloved, loved by God. But saying God is love goes back before me, before us, before creation to who God is in his essence, in and of himself. Now that's a problem because how could God be love before he created If there existed nothing outside of himself to love. If love necessitates an object. This this only makes sense in light of the biblical understanding of the being of God as eternally existing in more than one person. There is only one God. God is one in being, one in essence. But God eternally exists in three persons in relationship with one another. When we read the New Testament, we see God in relationship throughout. Jesus sought time alone to converse with his father. He would get away on the mountain alone by himself to pray. To have conversation with his father. Because he enjoyed spending time in relationship with his father. The father spoke his approval over his son. In John chapter 5, Jesus said that he works alongside his father. He does what he sees the father doing. The, The father loves his son and shows the son what he himself is doing. Jesus sought to glorify his father. The father glorified his son in John 17. John 17, by the way, records for us one of Jesus' prayers to his father in detail. Whole chapter, Jesus conversing with his father, speaking to his father in prayer. 
we understand the deepest agony of the cross was Jesus' experience of being forsaken by his father. Jesus also spoke of the Holy Spirit as the helper whom the Father will send in my name and whom I will send to you from the Father. He will bear witness about me. I will ask the Father. He will send you another helper, the Spirit of truth. We read of the Father sending his only Son, The Father and the Son sending the Holy Spirit. Relationship. God in relationship. Father, Son, Spirit. John began his gospel this way. In the gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word who existed eternally with God, who was Himself God, existed in relationship with His Father. He was with Him. John 1 verse 14 leaps forward to a point in history when the Word, the eternal Word who was with God and who was God, became flesh. And dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, who is himself God, who eternally existed with, in relationship with his father, became flesh, became human, came to live among us. This is Christmas. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus, God incarnate, God in flesh, eternally in relationship with His Father, puts the invisible God on display for us to see. One God existing eternally in the persons of Father, Son, and Spirit. Enjoying relationship with one another. God is love. John begins his short letter, 1 John, that we're looking at. Like he began his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 1 John 1, 1 reads, That which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. The word The word of life, the eternal life that existed in the beginning, the life that was with the Father was made manifest to us. John says, we are eyewitnesses. We heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've examined the evidence, we've touched with our hands. 
we testify, we proclaim to you. Why? Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that hearing the testimony of the apostles, the apostolic witness, eyewitness evidence of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, we may hear and believe. Believe on the testimony of the eyewitnesses who examined the evidence so that we can have fellowship with them, the apostles, with every believer, with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be included, enveloped into this love, this love of the triune God that's been in existence for eternity. We are invited in. Back to 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And now we get to the definition of love in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is Christmas. God sent His only Son into the world. This is how God made known His love. God is love, but God put His love on display by sending His Son into the world. But why? It says, so that we might live through Him. That says something about me, about us. This tells us, well, you're dead. You need to be made alive. We're not alive. We need to be born again. We're under the death sentence. The wages of sin is death. And we're dead in our trespasses and sins. In which we walk. God sent His only Son, so that we might live through Him. It's only by means of the Son, whom the Father sent into the world, that we can have life, that we can be born anew. How does that work? Well, John explains, 1 John 4.10, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. To be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. Not not our love for God, but God's love for us. God's love displayed in Christmas where God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. How do we live through Him? How do we live if we are the walking dead? 
propitiation. Propitiation. What that word means is a wrath-appeasing sacrifice. The wages of sin is death. And we are rebels against a gracious and good and kind God. We deserve to die. To be finally and forever separated from this good God. Propitiation is the just and holy wrath of God being poured out. Wrath against my sin being poured out. Not on me. But on a substitute. Back in the Old Testament, a sinner would, Leviticus, lay his hands on the head of an animal. That animal would be butchered, its blood spattered, it burnt on the altar as a substitute. It would go up as a pleasing aroma to Yahweh the Lord. Hebrews tells us, Every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus, my great high priest, offered up himself. My sin placed on Jesus on the cross. The the righteous wrath of the Father toward my sin poured out in full on Jesus in my place. God sent his only son to die so that we might live sent His Son to be the propitiation for my sins. In this is the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the wrath-appeasing sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. That is love. The one who did no wrong, who owed me nothing, willingly took my place, took my punishment so that I could have life. So that I could enjoy relationship with the one I had wronged. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So John exhorts us in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Because 
We are beloved. So loved by God. Loved in this way. This ought to stir in us love for each other. Now this verse is startling. It's shocking because we already looked at at John's gospel. John chapter 1 verse 18 No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. In in John, no one has ever seen God. Almost exactly the same phrase. Slightly different verb. Between John 1.18 and 1 John 4 verse 12. But in John 1.18, it is Jesus, the only begotten God who makes God known. Here in 1 John, it's, it's our love for one another created in us by God living in us that brings God's love to completion to its perfect fulfillment. We are invited to put God's love on display in this broken and hurting world. God didn't need us. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved His Father. But love naturally, or should I say supernaturally, spills over, overflows to include others. God's love for us is different. The Father deserves to be loved by His Son. The Son pleased His Father in everything He did. He merits the Father's love. We don't deserve God's love. We did everything to earn His wrath. We deserve condemnation. But God loves His enemies. This is the kind of love He creates in us. Because He comes to live in us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. God's love starts with abundance. In the love of the triune God. And spills over. Spills out to meet desperate needs. Spills over to his enemies. God is love. And God puts his love on display. By sending his only son. Into the world to be the propitiation. For my sins. God puts his love in us. By giving us His Spirit. By coming to live inside of us. We are called beloved. So now we can, being filled with His love, allow that to spill over and love others. One another, even our enemies. We love because... He first loved us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only Son 
into this dark and desperate and hostile world. On a rescue mission where the rescue included him being executed in my place for my sins to satisfy justice and to purchase forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for sending your only Son. We we can't begin to fathom the the sacrifice that meant for you, Father, to send your only Son into the world to do this. Jesus, thank you for coming. Willingly. Becoming human, being born into this pain-filled world. Curse-filled world because we sinned, rebelled against you. You came to take the curse for us to die in our place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your spirit to live inside of us. Spirit, thank you for opening these blind eyes to see good news. Good news in the manger. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for all who would believe in the only begotten Son of God. Holy Spirit, we ask You to continue to open blind eyes to the truth, to the beauty of the Gospel. To continue to change our heart to treasure that which is most valuable. Thank You, God, for loving sinners like us and inviting us into your love, that we could participate in your love. Fill us to overflowing with your love so that we can be useful in this world to put you, your love, on display through our attitudes, our lives, our actions. Mold us, shape us more into the image of Jesus our Lord, our Savior, who laid down His life for others. Help us to love others like we have been loved. Thank You for that love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite some of the men to come and prepare to serve us communion. Reminders of the Gospel, the good news that we proclaim that Jesus was born into this world of sin to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, to die in our place, to be the wrath-absorbing sacrifice of propitiation for our sin. Jesus came to be received. John 1 says he, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become 
children of God, to be adopted into the family. So that is an offer open to everyone. Whoever believes, whoever owns Jesus Christ as your God and Lord and Savior and Rescuer and Redeemer, you say, I'm a sinner, I need saving Jesus, you're my only hope. Would you forgive my sins? Would you make me new? Would you bring me into relationship with you? He paid the price on the cross. There's nothing we can contribute. This is a gift that we can't reciprocate. Somebody gives you a card. Oh man, I forgot to give them a card. I better write them a card again. Somebody gives you a gift you weren't expecting. Oh man, I forgot about them. I better hurry up and get them. We got nothing. We got nothing. We simply humbly receive. God paid the price in full. He says, I have a gift for you. Would you receive it? You need it. It's not just something else that, you know, it's going to end up in the thrift store because they didn't know what else to buy you and, you know, it's just, you don't need it. We, this is life and death. We desperately need the bread of life. Jesus is the life. It's a gift we desperately need. And he says, there's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't pay for it. It's like I paid for it. It's a gift. Would you receive it? So today, I invite you, receive the gift. Simply say, I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer but the wreck I've made in my life. Would you make me new inside? Would you forgive me? Would you wash me? Would you make me new? Would you... Give me new life, new birth from above. Simply receive and enjoy the gift He purchased for you. Serve you bread and juice of your believer. Hold those in your hand. Reflect on the price He paid. The good news that He proclaims to you. Once we've all been served, we'll take that together. What love. What a gift. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this gift. Thank you.